What, then, is a woman? The Monday Morning Memo for December 25th, 2023. The thing about the systematic reduction of a woman down to her parts is that she doesn't always know it's happening while it's going on. Just one day, she wakes up and realizes that all she was was a face, a line of cleavage, two legs, a couple of hands, the swivel in her pelvis, the swell of her breast. We were just the disembodied parts in the display cases. One day, we wake up to find out that the diamonds were never chocolate at all. They were brown the whole time. And our bodies, which are finally ours again, can move on all we want, though they forever remain the library of our lives, of the hurt and the shame and of what we either allowed or didn't allow other people to get away with. Kathy Broadesser Ackner, The New York Times, April 23, 2019. In a society where media is the most persuasive force shaping cultural norms, the collective message we receive is that a woman's value and power lies in her youth, beauty, and sexuality, and not in her capacity, inner self, or passions. Sonia Suarez. Like most men, I've long been fascinated with women. But what exactly defines woman? Definitions are so conflicted that I believe anyone who attempts to define woman is certain to be criticized. But when has that ever been an impediment to a curious mind? Today's examination of the mystery and magic of women begins with a handful of quotes that show us the perfect woman that can exist only in the mind of a man. Psychologist Carl Jung calls her the anima. I call her the imaginary woman. What do we know about the goddesses? Those elusive female figures, stronger than human males, more dangerous than male deities, who represent not real women, but the dreams of real men. Alice Bach, Women in the Hebrew Bible, page 17. I think the idealization of women is indigenous to men. There are various ways of idealizing women, especially sexually, based in almost every case on their inaccessibility. When a woman functions as an unattainable love object, she takes on a mythical quality. James Dickey, Self-Interviews, page 153. Miguel de Cervantes gave us a perfect example of the imaginary woman 418 years ago. Don Quixote sees a village girl in the distance, Aldonza Lorenzo by name, and says, Her name is Dulcinea, her kingdom Toboso, which is in La Mancha. Her condition must be that of princess, at the very least, for she is my queen and lady, and her beauty is supernatural, for in it one finds the reality of all the impossible. In the book, Don Quixote never meets Dulcinea. He sees her only from a distance. Like Helen of Troy, the face that launched a thousand ships, Dulcinea is the anima, the perfect woman that can exist only in the imagination of a man. Everything Quixote accomplishes and endures is in her name and for her honor. The girls in body form slacks wander the high street with locked hands while small transistor radios sit on their shoulders and whine love songs in their ears. 
the younger boys, bleeding with sap, sit on the stools of Tanger's drugstore, ingesting future pimples through straws. They watch the girls with level goat eyes and make disparaging remarks to one another while their insides whimper with longing. John Steinbeck. Frida was a dazzle. A virtual watercolor of a woman whose moods and mannerisms were as electric as her wild black hair. Her grin alone, a flash of Ipana white teeth, head tossed back, stopped men in their tracks, delayed them in traffic, and threatened their wives so completely, even the milkman was not allowed to deliver at Frida's house. At the age of 35, Frida had had a mastectomy. The bow and arrow was her therapy to strengthen what was left of her chest muscles. Her body had been perfect, a sculptor's model, and she had worn her summer shirts tied up high under her breasts, braless most of the time. She still wore her shirts knotted at the ribcage, but now they were men's cotton pajama tops, the material thicker, so you could not see through. But often when she bent forward, I could see the scarred, bony place where the breast had been. I never knew if she was bitter for the loss, if she stared at the deformity in the mirror and wished for a time when she had been whole. She never said. I never asked. She was not a woman martyred by tragedy, nor was she at all acquainted with self-pity. Oh, she tried once to kill my stepfather, whom she'd always referred to by his first and last names, Bill McLean. The two words run together in her odd accent, so it came out bimicane, sounding like a fungal cream. Lorian Hemingway, Walk on Water, pages 38 and 39. Half a dozen global studies conducted by the likes of Goldman Sachs and Columbia University have found that companies employing women in large numbers outperform their competitors on every measure of profitability. From Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman in The Atlantic, April 14, 2014. Dr. Nick Grant once told me, Men worry about high and low. Women worry about near and far. I asked him what he meant, he said. When a man is speaking, he's thinking subconsciously. What do you think of me now that I've said this? Am I higher or lower in your estimation? But when a woman speaks, she's thinking, What do you think of me now that I've said this? Does it make us closer or further apart? You may not agree with that, but like I said at the start, anyone who attempts to define woman is certain to be criticized. An International Peace Institute study of 182 signed peace agreements between 1989 and 2011 found that when women are included in peace processes, there is a 35% increase in the probability that a peace agreement will last 15 years or more. The wise men of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2 have been celebrated for 2,000 years. But what if they had been wise women instead? Three wise women would have asked directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, brought practical gifts, and there would be peace on earth. Merry Christmas. Roy H. Williams. 
Ho, ho, ho! Today's promo is brought to you from the North Pole. <laughs> Riazadat was on death's doorstep, withering away in excruciating pain in the transplant ward of Toronto General Hospital. Yes, this week on a special edition of Monday Morning Radio, roving reporter Rothbart narrates the uplifting true story of Riaz's miraculous survival and recovery. Yes, reading from the Christmas book Rothbart and his wife Talia wrote and published two years ago. Their book has since become a perennial holiday favorite. You can hear it right now at mondaymorningradio.com. <laughs> Merry Christmas!